So we're going to continue that series and we're going to continue on uh, how God guides us and why God guides us and all of that. Okay? So let's start with prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this beautiful morning. We truly thank you for these rains, Lord Jesus. We know how much our city needs water and we thank you that you are our provider, Lord. As your word says, Lord, you reign on the just and the unjust. We are so grateful to you, Lord, that you are merciful, Lord. When we look at the rains, we remember the covenant you made with Noah. You are a covenant-keeping God, Lord. You have made a covenant with us. And we thank you that your covenant of love sustains us, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We come with this word into your hands. We pray and ask you that you will minister to us, Lord. As we prayed and we sang that beautiful song, Holy Spirit, we wait on you. Uh, Lord, we pray that truly. Even right now, as we listen to your word, Lord, Holy Spirit, we wait on you to minister to us, to speak into our hearts, to change us, and transform us for your glory, we pray. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Just a quick recap of what we did last Sunday. We were looking at the subject of God's guidance. Right? So we looked at who do we usually turn to for guidance. Most of us agreed that it is our friends, family, some professionals, at times Google, if need be. Right? We looked at that. We looked at who we shouldn't turn during uh, to see guidance. So we looked at you know how the Bible forbids us to turn to mediums and spiritists. And we also looked at, we shouldn't turn to fools, right? So if you remember last Sunday, it's all on audio. Feel free to uh, go back and listen to it again. Then we looked at who should we turn to? Who is the best option? And that is none other than God himself, right? God delights in leading and guiding us. So we looked at this beautiful verse from Proverbs 3, where we looked at, Trusting God with all our heart and not leaning on our own understanding and acknowledging him in all our ways. And what will he do? He will make our paths straight. That's his promise. If you obey the first three aspects of this verse, then he promises that he will make our paths straight. Right. And then we looked at GPS. If you remember God's positioning system, right? God positions us at different times, at different places. And uh, we looked at the story of Joseph, how the Lord positioned him initially in the pit. From there, he moved to Potiphar's house, from there to prison, and finally to his destination, the palace. So we looked at the journey of from the pit to the palace. And then we looked at, uh, you know, the example of the pit stop. Why the pit stop is necessary? The pit stop is not the full stop. Remember that, right? But it is necessary. If we want to finish the race that God has marked for us, then it is important that we have a pit stop so that we get refreshed. So right now, we are in a season of a pit stop. Amen? And now we are going to continue with a big question. Why? Why? We looked at um, you know, who, who we should turn to. Now we are going to look at why this morning. Why do we need to turn to God? Aren't we intelligent enough to be guided by our uh, wisdom that we have? We looked at we shouldn't rely on emotions last Sunday. But we are intelligent enough. I'm sure you know none of us usually like to seek advice in terms of where to do, what to do. We feel we, we know it. We know it. So why do we need to? I'm going to give you two reasons this morning. Two reasons why we need God's guidance in our life. The first one is choice. You see, we as uh, human beings have many, many choices to make. Isn't that true? Right? You had a choice to join the meeting this morning or not. You know, I'm sure some people are tucked inside their blankets, enjoying this lovely sleep and lovely weather. 
right so every day we make hundreds of choices every day what time to get up you know what clothes to wear and what are you going to do with your free time in the lockdown there are so many choices brothers and sisters we make and choice is something that was posed to man right at the beginning so when you look at genesis chapter 2 where man came into being and you will see even though he was created in one the story is in two and you will see in in chapter 2 in genesis 2 god put man in the garden the garden of eden you know a beautiful place and surrounded with lovely fruits and trees and you know god's creation was um and i display in 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 the garden of eden along with you know all those animals birds and uh, you know all those aqua animals it would be it would have been a wonderful place but there in the middle of the garden the bible tells us was a tree a unique tree a tree that was known as the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and that is when god commanded adam and his madam that they should not partake of this tree this one tree they god had commanded that they are forbidden to eat from this fruit why because it was harmful so god even gave a reason so there was a rational decision that if you eat of this fruit you will die so there were repercussions now man had to make a choice right here was the first time when man human being was given a choice whether to eat or not to eat and we know the story right uh, adam partake adam chose to disobey god and he partook of the fruit and he and his wife both uh, took part in that fruit and the rest is history we know how it went all sour from there so today adam had one choice to make but today we are surrounded with a world of choices right a life is full of choices like i just mentioned every day we make decisions now some decisions we can get away with even if you make a wrong decision you know you can get away with it but there are some decisions which are less forgiving there are consequences that we have to bear so let's just look at the choices now if i look at my life just the last 45 years i see how much the world has changed how much the world is not just evolving but it is evolving you know so when i grew up when i was uh, as i'm talking about the early 80s you know there was there were only two cars on the road only two cars one was this gorgeous looking ambassador and most often it was in white or black color and there was the fiat which was more of a flat kind of a car but ambassador was beautiful unless you went to the town side where the very rich people lived that is where you could see a few vintage cars but the city of mumbai in the 80s had just two cars and guess how many channels were there on your tv there was only one channel can you believe it tvs did not come with remote yes you millennial people you you know this is impossible to believe right but the only button on the tv was on and off that's it you could increase the volume lower the volume that's it that's it there was nothing else there was just one channel so basically it's the is the government who decided what you should be watching whether it was the news or documentaries or sports or entertainment there was just one channel and it started with black and white tvs and gradually graduated to color right what about the phone we are obsessed with our phones right can you imagine that few homes few homes oh i i think if i'm not mistaken initially the mtl record was that every 1000 homes among every 1000 homes there was one telephone this is even before the pcos came into existence 
I think it was the mid 80s when the PCO concept came. So before that, only the rich people had telephones and that is how it looked like. Okay, there were six numbers, thankfully not 10 like our mobile. And there were six numbers that you had to dial. And I remember visiting my uncle who is a Britisher and he could afford a phone. And every time I went to his house, I was fascinated by this dabba. You know, I was so fascinated. I would pick up and put it to my ear and think, you know, what, what do I do? Where do I call? You could call because I didn't know anyone with any number. But every time it rang, it was like music. You know, very rarely it rang because very few people had. And life was very simple. You meant what you said. So if I said mouse, I meant mouse and not mouse. <laughs> okay. So that is how life was, you know, in the 80s. It was simple growing up. But look at how the world has changed today. Guess how many channels you have. So you do need a remote control because today you have more than 900 channels on your TV. Can you believe that 900 channels, even if you watch one minute of every channel, that will take you 15 hours to finish the, all of the channels or more or more. You know, what about the cars? I was talking about the ambassador and the Fiat, right? I, I witnessed the launch of Maruti 800. Ah, what a craze it was. That was the first car. Basically, there were Maruti Suzuki, you know, a, a local company that was launching cars. But today, imagine if you have to buy a car. What is the choice you have? You have 400 different kinds of car model running on Indian roads. So we have 30 million cars. And we have 400 different choices. That's not easy, you know, buying a car for your home. I know some of it, 200 probably will get eliminated within your budget. But there are still so many varieties. And what about phones, my friends? What about phones? Yeah, from one telephone, today we have, can you believe, hold your breath. We have 24,000 Android phones. Different kinds of, okay? Now I'm not talking about pieces. I'm talking about variety. 24,000 Android phones. I tell you, it is easier to find a person with your blood group than to find a person with the same model of mobile phone. It's crazy. It's crazy, right? Okay. In the earlier days, let's go back 100 years, 150 years. It was simple choosing a profession. It was very simple, right? A carpenter's son became a carpenter. A fisherman's son became a fisherman. A king's son became a king. It was very simple. You basically carried forward your father's legacy. There were no choices. So whether you studied or not, life was simple. You just, you didn't have to make a lot of professional choices, right? You simply took on, if your father was a cobbler, you would continue that. If your father was a tailor, you obviously automatically became a tailor. And what about women? I mean, there was no profession. There was just one profession and that was you were a housewife. That's it. All you had to do was simply learn to cook, produce babies, look after babies, raise them up and baking and all of that. You know, you, your, your job profile was simple and uh, there wasn't much choice. But today, how the times have changed today. Look at this. Women fly planes. They are into construction. Who would have imagined a woman fighting for her nation? You know, and who is that on your right side bottom right? 
that is Jacinda Arden. Just to let you know, Jacinda Arden is one of the most recognized women today. She's among uh, the top 50 uh, influential women in the world. She's the prime minister of New Zealand. Can you believe that? In 2017, she took that office. She's been an MLA in MP since 2008. And guess what? She's a wife and she delivered a baby girl in 2018. Can you believe that? Yeah, you're a prime minister of a nation in 2017. And then you are a mother in 2018. So right now she has a two-year-old baby. So how times have changed? How times have changed, right? Look at how many choice options you have today. It is not easy. You know, the, one of the scariest questions um, that is posed to young people is, what do you want to become? Oh my goodness, that is the last question you want to answer. You know, when we walk up to these 12, 13, 14 year olds and we tell them, what do you want to become? They really give an answer they have no clue about. Okay? Because the options, the choices are so many, so many. Now there are some choices, like I mentioned, are critical choices. The choice about choosing your husband or a wife, right? Your partner, to making the right choice friends is so mandatory so important so critical the home you're going to live in these are choices that will have an impact for the rest of your life we understand some people take home loans and then they are in for 15 years 20 years right those are critical choices and uh, you don't make such choices every day you know it's it's kind of once in a lifetime kind of a choice and those are important uh, this is joke about what is the difference between complete and finish and if you look at these words, they seem similar. So one day a son went to his father and said, Dad, I think both these words are same. Complete and finished mean the same, right? And the father said, no, my son, there is a big difference. So the son said, what's the difference? This is what the father said. The father said, if you marry the right woman, you are complete. You marry the wrong woman, you are finished, right? That's just slipping in, slipping in a joke. All right, so choices. Now what happens is, when you are at the threshold of life and you have to make a critical choice, one wrong turn, one wrong turn can ruin your life. It can take you to the path of darkness. It can take you to the path where you are lost completely. So remember, as you make choices, there is one thing we must remember is that every choice has consequences. Like I mentioned in the beginning, some choices can be easy. You know, you make a mistake and you get away with it. But some choices would be less forgiving. And we know people have embarked on certain choices. They made certain choices, which has been detrimental, which has been dangerous for the rest of their lives. Right? Recently, few last month, we had a young man choosing to kill his life, to end his life. And that was such a heartbreaking news for us. And imagine his family and his fans, what they've gone through. But it's a choice that Sushant made. You know, and some choices can be so hard and so rough. And this is where we need divine guidance, brothers and sisters. We need God. We need God to help us to make these choices. Choices of life are not just made by a, coin, a, to, uh, you know, a, a toss of a coin. No, that is not how we make choices. We make choices by seeking God's guidance. Is God interested in guiding us? Is God interested in the little things uh, of our lives? You know, the decisions that we make? Is God interested? Oh, yes, he is. Look at what Psalm 16 verse 7 says. It's a beautiful psalm. Psalm 16 is a psalm by uh, the mighty David. And this is what he says, verse 7. He says, I will bless the Lord who guides me. Hallelujah. Even at night, 
my heart instructs me amen brothers and sisters we have a god who delights in guiding us even at night he makes sure that our heart is instructing us you know, he speaks into our heart and there he is at work through day and night keen and interested in guiding us that is why david says i will bless the lord i will bless the lord who guides me amen amen look at another beautiful psalm psalm 23 again credited to david and we all know this psalm the lord is my shepherd i shall not be in want for he makes me lie down in green pastures he leads me besides quiet waters he restores my soul hallelujah he is the good shepherd who delights in leading us and guiding us beside still waters what a promise that is look at another promise psalm 32 verse 8 what a verse this is brothers and sisters look at this psalm 32 verse 8 says i will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go i will counsel you with my loving eye on you the counsel word is just another word for guidance guide we seek guidance we seek counsel it says the bible says god promises us that he will counsel us do you see the number of use in this verse this one verse come on quickly count how many use do you see five you're right you're right it's five right i will instruct you i will teach you in the way you should go i will counsel you with my loving eye on you brothers god is interested in you can you turn to your neighbor can you turn to someone and say god is interested in you god is interested in you hallelujah amen and he promises this he promises us he says i will instruct you god is keen to instruct you he's not like oh no you've come again i mean can't you make such simple decisions why do you need me every time why don't you be independent no that is not how god responds to us when we go and ask him one of the things i love about children is they are so inquisitive you know the moment they begin to talk the first thing they want to know is why 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 you know everything is a big why right why do we do this why do we do that and there are times when parents get fed up and like shut up and figure it out yourself but god never answers us that way brother sister he is keen to guide us he is keen to instruct us he is keen to teach us the way we should go he said he promises us he says i will counsel you with my loving eye on you amen so here he is full of wisdom and full of love hallelujah we have a loving god who delights in counseling us what better than that who do we need to turn to except god himself amen amen the second thing we need guidance for is because life is a gift so if you ask people on the street what do you think of life what do you think of life you know people would give you different answers so if you tell them to summarize life in one word they would say um for me life is a journey for me life is painful for me life is a burden for some it may be like a curse for some it is like you know, what what big deal is the rigmarole of life is just you know something static you live and you die and then probably you come back to life and all that nonsense you know, people talk about but for christians how should we view life my friends for us life is a gift hallelujah hallelujah Romans chapter 6 verse 23 says for the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus amen 
Amen. God has given us a life, a new life, an abundant life, a fruitful life, brothers and sisters. This life is a gift. Amen. Amen. I think we must change our perspective. The life that God has given us is a gift. And we are meant to enjoy it. Besides that, we are also meant, Jesus promised this. Look at what Jesus said in John 10, 10. He said, the thief comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. But I have come that you may have life. And if that was not enough, he added, have it to the full. Have it to the full. Have abundant life. Have everlasting life. Have eternal life. Amen. Amen. The reason Jesus came is so that we may have life. It's not that before Jesus, there was no life. But you understand what Jesus is trying to say here, right? Saying, no, listen, I understand. People would have given that answer. You know, that life is painful. Life is a burden. Life is a curse. But that is why I have come to change that. I have come that you may have life and life in all its abundance and life in all its fullness. Amen. Hallelujah. A rich and satisfying life, the NLT says. The NLT translation, I like that. Rich and satisfying life, an abundant life, a fruitful life. Hallelujah. But there is another reason why Jesus gave us this life. And that is for good works. Amen. Amen. The Bible says we are his masterpiece. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says we are his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand in order that we would walk in them. Hallelujah. Brothers and sisters, God has prepared good works for us. God has a purpose for our life. So he's not just come and given us you know, forgiveness and uh, removed our wages of sin and death and given us the gift of eternal life. Well, what do you do with it? Now, what do you do with it? Is it just, you? okay, now it's different. Now knowing different, Jesus is different. So I'm going to live very similar to what how the world lives, right? Because I know now I'm saved. No, that is not the purpose. The Bible says that we are created by God himself. We are his masterpiece created in Jesus. But like any creation, whether it is the laptop that I'm right now preaching to, I'm preaching at, you know, I'm looking at the laptop or the stool that I'm sitting on or the fan that I'm enjoying. Everything is created with a purpose. And so are you. And that is why we need God's guidance to know why we were created. Hallelujah. You remember last Sunday we ended with this verse. For we know in all things God works for the good. Now many people stop at that. Say that's nice. That sounds nice. But look at what the verse says in its entirety. It says and we know in all things God works for the good of those who love him. And those who have been called according to his purpose. Hallelujah. There is a purpose to our life. And we must never forget that last line. That there is a purpose who have been called according to his purpose amen so there is a purpose that we are called to discover why has god created you why has god made you brothers and sisters i'm going to tell you an amazing story that blew my mind when i read this this is a story dated 1938 right so this is 80 years ago 19 in 1938 in the town of queensland australia okay there was a miner uh, miner as in not m-i-n-o-r but coal miner m-i-n-e-r okay? and his name was henry spencer simple poor man lived with his family in a rundown shack and uh, would every day go to work and uh, you know coal mining job is not an easy job it's a hard job 
and he'd come back and then you know, tired uh, through the day. Now he had a 12 year old son. In 1938, he had a son named Roy Spencer, right? And Roy loved playing in the fields. He loved going with his father. So he would often go with his father and you know, try doing his own mining. 12 year old kid, what do you expect from him? So his father gave him a hammer and said, go for it, Roy, go for it, enjoy. So Roy would go to the hillside and uh, play uh, digging, you know, digging, digging, he'd play digging. And one day he found a stone. He found the stone to be very peculiar. Now he was a child who had grown up among coals. So he would understand what a coal is and you know how it looks like, what stones look like. But this particular stone, which weighed around 250 grams, seemed very peculiar. It was, it was gray. There was some light coming out of it. He wasn't sure what to make of it. So he put it in his pocket and he brought it home. And he showed it to his father. The father was a bit angry. Roy, what, I told you, leave these stones outside. You know, Why have you brought it home? So Roy felt a bit guilty. The father said, okay, never mind. Enjoy it. Play with it. Now Roy was very fascinated. 12-year-old kid uh, looking at the stone. And he was very fascinated. But you know, like all children, after a point, you grow out of your toy. So what they did was, then they used that stone as a door stopper for their back door. The Spencers had a back door to their home. And they used it as a door stopper. 250 grams is quite a good weight, right? To stop the door from uh, banging. So for nine years, for the next nine years, they used this funny looking stone as a door stopper to their door. Then came 1947. That year is significant for us, but it's also significant for somebody else. Then came two dwellers named by the name Kanzian. The Kanzian guys were two brothers who were famous dwellers. They were in fact going across the world searching gemstones. That was their business. They were primarily into the gemstone business. And they had heard that Queensland had found, um, you know, some, some kind of stones uh, which were precious. So they came visiting Queensland and they happened to visit the Spencers. They were sitting with the Spencers and explaining to Henry of what kind of a stone they were uh, looking at. And suddenly Henry turned to his son, who was now 21, and he called him. He said, Roy, can you just get that door stopper? Can you bring that and show it to these guys? Maybe they might be interested in that. When the Kanzian brothers, the dwellers, looked at the stone, they were amazed. They were shocked because this was nothing but the black star of Queensland. This is this was a diamond, a precious stone. In fact, it was the black sapphire. They were shocked that this is what it was. They offered 13 lakh rupees in today's time. 13 lakh rupees. They said, We want to buy this. Can we give you 13 lakh rupees? Obviously, the Spencers were thrilled. They sold it for 13 lakh rupees. The brothers, the dwellers bought it home. It was 1,156 carat. They polished it. They lost some of it. And yet, this is how the stone looks like today. Today, it is kept at the Royal Museum. And guess what the price is? Mm, it is only 72 crores. Woo! <laughs> 72 crores, brothers and sisters. That is the price that the stone was used 
as a door stopper for nine years. Can you imagine when I read this story, I felt God saying this. Now listen to this. I felt God saying, this is how precious you are. This is how precious your life is, brothers and sisters. And yet many of us are happily living as door stoppers. We are not nothing wrong with door stoppers. It is not a sin, okay, to be a door stopper. But you are not fulfilling the calling. Why has God called you? God has a purpose for your life. And imagine you are the black sapphire, the gemstone, which is worth 72 crores today. But what are you doing? You are working as a door stopper. You are not fulfilling the purpose that God has chosen you for. And that is crime. That is absolute crime. Right? So I want to challenge you this morning. We need God's divine guidance to know and to fulfill the purpose he has chosen for. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is like the dweller who has come and taken us sinners and polished us. And now we are his. Hallelujah. We belong to him. He paid a price just as the Kazian brothers paid a price to the Spencers. It was a costly price he paid. But when he looks at you, when he looks at me, you know what he says? You are worth it. You are worth it. He has chosen us for a purpose. Mark Twain, one of the most intelligent minds in America. It was only the Britishers who were producing geniuses like Shakespeare and the others. But it was Mark Twain who was one of the uh, you know, most intelligent minds who the, the Americans pride in. And this is what Mark Twain had to say. Look at what he said. The two, two most important days in your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why. Hallelujah. The day you were born and the day you find out why you were born. We started with a why. Brothers and sisters, why has God saved you? Of course, because he loves you. We know that. But what else? What else? Is is there more to it? Of course there is. There is a purpose. There is a purpose for each one of us. And that is why God has chosen us. We are not meant to be doorstoppers. We are designed by God. We are polished by God for a purpose. We are far more valuable to him. And we are called to fulfill our purpose. An old lady who was 102, celebrating her 102nd birthday, was asked, what is the best part? about being 102. What is the best part? And you know what she said? No peer pressure. <laughs> no peer pressure. Right? There is no one. There is no, no competition. Why am I saying that? My friend, my point is, you are not too old and it's not too late. Hallelujah. You know, some of us can look back at life and say, oh, I think I've spent a lot of time. Um, you know, a lot of time has got wasted. What do I do? What do I do? How do I now? But it's never too late. Imagine that that stone was a doorstopper for nine years. Not nine days, not nine months. For nine years, it was full of dust. People kicked it around. The animals peed over it. It was an absolute waste. You know, it was absolute waste. It would have felt such, so worthless. And then the Kazian dwellers took hold of it. My friend, Jesus has taken hold of our life. And let's not continue to be doorstoppers, but let's continue to walk in the full of his glory. Hallelujah. Let's shine for Jesus.
Amen. I'm going to stop there. I know this is a sermon that I don't want to rush into, but I just want to remind you these two points. One, yes, we have many choices to make and some choices are critical. Let's seek God's divine guidance. Even right now, I want you to close your eyes. Everyone, please close your eyes. What are the choices you're making? I know we are at the threshold of making some serious choices as the lockdown eases out. We don't know when that is going to happen. But as and when it happens, we will be getting back to a life, a new life, a new way of life. There are decisions that we need to make. Some critical decisions, some important decisions. Are we seeking God? How are we looking to Him? Or have we rationalized? Have you been influenced enough by the news channels and social media to know what decisions to make? Or are we relying on God? Are we saying, Lord, you are my good shepherd. You lead me, you guide me. Are we submitting our choices to him? Are we vetting our choices through him? My friends, we need to seek Jesus for all the choices we make, big or small. Let him guide us. He promises that I will instruct you and I will teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. What a promise that is. What a glorious promise that is. Remember, my friend, the, a life, the life that we have received in Jesus is a gift. It is a precious gift to be enjoyed, to be celebrated. But remember that life has a purpose. God has a purpose for you and me. Let us not live as doorstoppers. Let us live for Jesus. Let us shine for Jesus. I'm going to pray right now for all of us and then we'll call the meeting to an end. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord. What an amazing God you are. We thank you that we have divine guidance from you. Lord, when we look to you, Lord, you never turn away your face. You did that once on the cross. Where the sin, where our sins were laid on your son. But never again, Lord. You promised us. You've adopted us, Lord, as your sons. You've adopted us, Lord Jesus, as your children. And you promised to shepherd us, to lead us, to guide us. We thank you that once upon a time we were there lying at the doorstep as a doorstopper, useless and pointless. But Lord, you chose us. You picked us up. You paid a price for us on the cross. And today we belong to you. You have increased our worth manifold. We thank you that we are precious to you. And you've called us with a purpose. I pray, Lord, that each one of us will fulfill the purpose that you've called us for. Thank you for choosing us, Lord. Thank you for working all things for our good. Those who love you and who've been called according to your purpose, may we fulfill our purpose. In Christ Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.